Good morning. So excited to be here with you guys this morning. So excited just to open this word with you guys. If you have your Bible, you can go to Luke 23. We're going to get started in that in a few minutes. But, man, so excited about a couple things coming up this week. Anybody? No? Okay. Man, all seven of us are going to have a really good time. Um, but, um, man, if you haven't made plans to be a Good Friday, um, you're going to miss out. I just want you to know that. I'm not going to plug that anymore. We've hyped that as much as we can hype that. Um, but I'm just going to tell you it's worth it. And um, if you show up Friday, you're going to walk away and you're going to think that. And if you don't, then, man, you missed out. Um, you missed out. But um, we have some of these cards. And when you come, because we believe um, you're going to come, we want you to bring somebody with you. And preferably, it's going to be shocking to you, um, not church people. Um, exactly. Um, well, you can bring your church friends. I'm not saying that. But, man, if all we're doing is, like, re-gospeling the church people, um, we're missing, that's not the Great Commission. He wasn't like, hey, go talk about Jesus to all your people that already believe in Jesus, right? He was like, hey, go tell the lost people, those that are hurting and dying and broken and headed towards eternity without God, hey, go tell those people. They don't have to do that. They don't have to live that way. They don't have to go there. Jesus came and he died. He gave his life so that they could come and they could be with him. And man, we're disservicing people if we're not letting them in on that. That's not bothering people. That's not bugging people. That's not offending people. You can't offend people into heaven. I just want you to know that. That's just sharing the news, right? Like if there was a if there was like some new thing that would give me muscles and make me lose this and you didn't tell me about it, that'd make you a jerk. How much greater is how much greater is the gospel? And we got to tell people. And, and one way to do that, because I guarantee you we're going to talk about it, we're going to sing about it, it's going to be there, is to invite them to this thing. So if you're not on the I'm going to show up in your living room and tell you how Jesus loves you and died for you track yet, uh, maybe you're on the get people to people that will track. And I'm just saying this is a way to do that. Second is Easter next week. Um, that's cool. Jesus is alive. All eight of us are going to have a great time. Um, I'm just so excited about celebrating the resurrection. I'm so excited about it. I'm going to do it twice. I'm going to do it at 9, and I'm going to do it at 11. And if there's enough people, we'll do it again after that sometime. I don't know. But, um, but we're going to celebrate what God's done. And uh, I just want to say to you, again, uh, be here. But part of that is bringing people with you, right? Like you have family that doesn't know Jesus. Well, this is a good place for them to come, <laughs> right? Maybe you got tired of asking them. Ask them again. Maybe you got tired of being told no or being told, hey, I, okay, cool, I'll get there. We'll go offer to pick them up, pull up in their driveway, put a bag over their head, throw them in the car. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. But, man, Jesus gets rejected every day. I'm glad he didn't give up saving people. So the church shouldn't give up asking people. I'm just throwing that out there. So uh, those things are coming up. I'm excited about them. I hope you are. Like I said, I'm going to be here either way, and I hope you come with me. Uh, there's cards. Everybody's going to get an Easter one in the, on the way out in the back. But, man, good stuff. And then I think we're hunting eggs sometime. Next week's going to be a crazy week. So uh, watch, like, social media. I think maybe Saturday, something like that. Saturday at 11. Yeah, cool. So we're going to hunt eggs, too, on the day that Jesus was resting. Um, you figure that one out. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, this morning, we're going to be in Luke 23, and um, 
The past few weeks we've been in this series, Jesus Went. We've been talking about the last like week of Jesus' life, and really that was like one week. And then after that, we've been in the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. We're going to continue that um, this morning in Luke 23 with a story that probably most of us have heard. Um, at this point in time in the story, in the gospel of Luke, or the narrative of Jesus' life from the point of view of Luke, um, He's already done a lot of amazing things. Um, the last week of his life, just to kind of blow through really quick, he rode into the city, Jerusalem, on a baby donkey. That's amazing. This moment that was probably, other than the baby donkey, pretty triumphant, right? Like, here comes the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and he's coming down this mountain, this big hill, and he's being, like, surrounded by a parade of people waving palm branches. Caleb had an evergreen branch waving it at people this morning. Um, and he was being waved through the, through the gates by these palm branches. People were throwing their coats in the road, and they were saying, save us now, save us now. They just didn't know what they were asking for. He's been in the city for a few days. He was teaching. He was uh, sharing this message. He was throwing people out of the temple. It's kind of amazing. But he was being examined for four days so they could see up close and personal this lamb is spotless then he sat down to a meal with his disciples a meal they didn't call the last supper at that moment by the way they had no idea what was going on jesus is the only one at the table that knows hey this is the last one and he takes this cup and he says this is a new covenant in my blood and he takes the bread and he rips it and as he rips it he says this is my body that's going to be broken for you just a few hours from now I'm going to die he was trying to tell them and they didn't get it he predicted Peter's denial Judas's betrayal leaves dinner and he goes to the Mount of Olives and he prays for hours and agony so much that he was sweating drops of blood and then at the end of that, he gets up under the resolve and the, and the permission of God to go forward into the cross. He gets up, and Judas comes, and he betrays him with a kiss. Can you imagine? This guy that really everybody except Jesus thought they were great friends. Comes, and he kisses him and then turns him over to the guards. One of the disciples tries to fight back, and Jesus is like, there's no need to fight. I got legions of angels that at any moment I could call, they would be here, and they would get me out of this place. I don't need your sword, Peter. That's a lesson in itself. We're not here to defend Jesus. He's pretty good at defending himself. And he's taken away, and he's tried like over and over and over again by the religious leaders, and eventually he goes to Pilate, he goes to Herod, and then he goes... Back to Pilate, Jesus has a long night. There's not much rest the night before the cross. And then we enter the story, um, Luke 23, verse 13, where it says, Pilate called together the chief priests and leaders and the people. This is the scene. This is the last of the trials. Jesus, at this point in time, by everybody except the Religious leaders have been declared innocent. Pilate, if you don't know who Pilate is, was a Roman prefect or a governor. He was the guy that's in charge of the area of Judea. And he had a couple 
kind of obligations or goals as the governor, one of which was to collect taxes. He was that guy, so probably not very popular in the city. People that are taking your money probably don't like fall really high on the list of friends. So he was in charge of collecting taxes. He was in charge of building projects or overseeing building projects. And then kind of lastly, maintaining order and and law in the city. So they have Jesus, and they bring Jesus to Pilate because Pilate's in charge of keeping law and order in the city. The way Romans do that a lot of times is they just kill troublemakers. That's, you know, you walk in the street, and there's like crosses all the way down the road, and there's people hanging on said crosses. If you see people hanging there that have stolen things, you're going to think again before you decide to steal something. So they bring Jesus to Pilate, and they bring him with a motive, and it's that they want to see Jesus killed. So Pilate calls together the chief priest. He's the kind of chief religious official of these people. He's the, he's the most important leader of their religion. And he calls together the leaders. Now, the leaders it's talking about are the 71 Pharisees and Sadducees that make up this court, the Sanhedrin. It's the high court of the religious people, the Jews, the Supreme Court, as you would have it. And they would decide kind of rules and cases that have to do with the law, but they didn't have power to like execute people, much like Pilate would have to. So they bring Jesus to Pilate to have him do the dirty work. They've already found that they don't want Jesus. And he calls together the people, kind of everybody else in the city. So Pilate calls all these people together as Jesus comes back from Herod. And he says to them, you've brought me this man as one who subverts the people. Now, I think I have the definition for subvert back there, maybe. Possibly, yeah, I'm going to read it back here because that's small. Subvert is to undermine the power and authority of an established system or institution. So they are saying that Jesus has been trying to stir up the people to undermine the authority and the power of the Roman government in Jerusalem. That Jesus is trying to lead a rebellion. That Jesus is trying to, to kick out the Romans and to set up this new kingdom of Jerusalem. Now the crazy thing about this to me is this is exactly what they were looking for in a Messiah. All the religious people that delivered Jesus to Pilate were accusing him of being exactly what they wanted him to be. And you look at that and you're like, well, why, why would you do that? See, the Jews, they were looking for a Messiah that was going to come in and he was going to set up this kingdom. He's going to kick out the Romans and he was going to set up this eternal universal kingdom. And Jerusalem was kind of going to be the center of the world and they were going to rule everything and they were going to be prosperous and peaceful forever because he was going to be this new David. That's what they wanted. But they bring Jesus to Pilate and they say, hey, this is what he's trying to do. Now, see, the problem was not that Jesus was trying to do this. The problem was Jesus was trying not to do this. This is not what Jesus wanted to do. He he was coming to save, but not how they were looking for a Savior. And because he was a defective Messiah to them, they took him to have him killed. So he shows up, and he gives him to Pilate, and Pilate says, Hey, this is what you've said about this man. You've said that he come, and he's trying to start a rebellion and, and all these things. And he says, But in fact, after examining him in your presence, you were there. It's not rigged. You saw it. After I examined him in your presence, I found no grounds to charge this man with these things. He's like, he's innocent. Jesus has been in the city for four days now, and he, he, he did go to the temple, and he kicked out some people. 
And he did kind of ride in in a victory parade. But Pilate's like, man, I've, I've heard the whole case. He's, he's not trying to do what you say he's trying to do. He's not that guy. You brought me this man as one who subverts the people, but in fact, after examining him in your presence, I found no grounds to charge this man. He's not done anything with those things you accuse him of. And then he says in 15, neither has Herod. Now, Herod is like this, uh, this king governor guy. He's not Herod the Great, his father, which like killed all the babies. Like, it's a different guy. It's one of his sons. Um, but he's in charge of the region of Galilee, which is where Jesus is from. So when, when Pilate heard Jesus was from there, he's like, I don't want to deal with this. And he sent him over to Herod, which happened to be living in Jerusalem at this time. And then Herod's like, hey, do some miracles. And Jesus is like, nope. And then he's like, well, he didn't do anything wrong, even though he won't do any magic tricks. And then he sent him back to Pilate. And Pilate says, hey, Herod, he didn't find anything wrong with him either. He's already been declared innocent now two times because he sent him back to us. And he says, clearly, he's done nothing to deserve death. That's the end game. That's the goal. That's where they're going with this. Pilate, kill this man. We don't want him. We don't want this guy. Kill him. So Pilate in 16 says, therefore, because of this, I will have him whipped and then release him. Now, this is here just in case we're wondering if Pilate and Jesus were like friends or buddies or pals or they made some secret deal or Jesus like healed somebody. And, you know, like Pilate was like, oh, I'll let you off. Like, that's not what's happening here. Jesus is innocent, but Pilate doesn't care about Jesus. If he did, he wouldn't be wanting to whip him, right? Pilate's like trying to keep the peace. I don't really think we should kill him. I would rather just let him go. But I'll beat him for you pretty good if you want. Now, we see whipped, and we think, like, whooping, like, go get a switch from the backyard, and this is not what's going to go down in these moments. This, this whipping, this beating is going to be pretty intense. They take this thing called the cat of nine tails, which is braided leather, and inside of these leather strands would be fragments of bone and glass and little rocks. And it was designed that as you swing it and you hit the person, those bones and glass and rocks, they anchor into the flesh of the person. And as you pull it away, it pulls away everything that it just got anchored to. This was not like, I'm going to smack you around a couple times. They were, they were going to beat Jesus to the point of almost death. They were going to give him a pretty good lashing. And he says, I'll whip him for you. And then we get some editorial notes in 17 from Luke. He says, for according to the festival, he had to release someone to them. Now, this is not Pilate's the chief authority in this area. He didn't have to. But traditionally, at this time, Pilate would, during this festival, he would release one prisoner back to the Jewish people. And he wanted to release Jesus because Jesus hadn't done anything. Okay, you bring me this guy, he's trying to subvert the people, yeah, whatever. I'll beat him and then I'll just I'll give him back. That can be your gift for this festival. But I, I love what the what Luke does in these moments because he's reminding us of something. This festival that he's talking about is the Passover festival, the celebration that's happened for like hundreds of years where they would celebrate God like releasing these people or rescuing these people from captivity uh, and slavery in Egypt. And God did this through a series of plagues, and there were like a lot of them, and I can't remember all of them. But the, the reason it's named the Passover is because the final plague, the angel of death, was going to come into Egypt, and he was going to take the firstborn of everything. If you were the firstborn flee, it was a bad day for you. 
If you were the firstborn cow, it was not going to be great, right? If you were the firstborn person, it was going to be a rough day for you. But God did this amazing thing. He told Moses, hey, if you'll get the people to take a lamb, a perfect spotless lamb into their house for four days, and you'll feed this lamb, and you'll take care of this lamb, and you'll get attached to this lamb, and you will love this lamb. But you will also know for a fact four days later there were no spots or blemishes or defects in this lamb. Then I want you to kill that lamb, and I want you to take its blood, and I want you to paint the doorpost. And if the angel of death sees the blood of the lamb, it will pass over your house. So take all the cows and the fleas with you. Get in the door and cover the house in blood. It's not a coincidence that this is the festival that's taking place. It's not a coincidence that Jesus is about to die at the time of Passover. See, Jesus is not reminding the people of Passover festival. The Passover festival was looking forward to this perfect spotless lamb. And Jesus, four days ago, rode into the city, and he was examined for four days, and he was found to be perfect and spotless. And now at the end of that, he's been declared innocent three times, and he's about to be slaughtered. And Luke wants us to know today that all of history has been pushing towards this moment. This is not coincidence. This is not a case of bad things happening to good people. This is the plan of God, and he set it up a long time ago. So Pilate says, I want to release him to you. And then they all cried out together, Take this man away. Release Barabbas to us. The whole crowd, the high priest down to the poorest person in the crowd that day, cried out, we don't want him. Oh, I'll whip him and put him back out there. No, we don't want him. That's not the prisoner we want you to release. We've already got a guy in mind. We've already got somebody we want, and his name is Barabbas. Release to us Barabbas. Take this man away and give us Barabbas. Now, this is crazy to me because Barabbas, is, he's a footnote, right, in, in the whole Bible. We don't know very much about Barabbas at all. He's not mentioned before this. He's not mentioned after this. He gets a little bitty spot on the page here as the people say, we don't want that Messiah. We want this Messiah. Barabbas is, is a thug. Barabbas is, is not a good guy. He's a guy that's in prison, and, and, and they want him. This is in 19, again, Luke letting us in on who Barabbas is, because he knows we're never going to figure it out. Barabbas is never going to make it into history anywhere other than these verses. He says, Barabbas, he had been thrown into prison for, listen to this, a rebellion that had taken place in the city and for murder. Here's what we know about Barabbas. He's a murderer. And he was involved in a rebellion. Now what was Jesus accused of? Inciting a rebellion. These people bring Jesus in and they say, Hey, he's trying to get rid of you guys. We don't want him. What are they saying? He's not the Messiah that we're looking for. 
Because the Messiah they're looking for is a Messiah who's going to start a rebellion, kick out the Romans, set up this universal and eternal kingdom in Jerusalem, and they're going to reign in prosperity and peace forever. That's what they're looking for. They want to be the top dog, and they're like, Jesus is not going to get us there. So we want you to kill Jesus, and we want you to give us Barabbas. He's the Messiah we want to take our shot with. Now, it's amazing to me that Barabbas' name actually means son of the father. Bar Abbas, Bar Abba, right? Son of the father. And early manuscripts of Matthew, up until they decided they didn't want him there anymore, used to call him Jesus Barabbas. His name was Jesus Barabbas. The church father said, we don't want to attach Jesus' name to this thug. So they took that word out. They're like, we don't want to do that anymore. But his name was Jesus Barabbas. God saves son of the father. So they said, we don't want this Jesus. We'll take that one. We don't want this Messiah. We don't want this Savior. He's defective. He's broken. He's not going to do it for us. We're looking for something else. Kill Jesus. Give us Barabbas. In 20, it says, Pilate wanting to release Jesus. Why wouldn't he? Jesus hasn't done anything. Barabbas is a murderer and a a rebel. If you release Barabbas, you're going to get more murder and rebelling. (laughs) If you release Jesus, he might heal a couple people that can't walk and go have some more meals. You don't know, but he's not going to cause much trouble. So Pilate wanted to release Jesus, so he addressed them again. But it says, they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him, kill him. We don't want him. We're not going to change our mind. We're not coming back. Kill the guy. It says in 22, a third time he said to them, why? What has this man done wrong. I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. And he says again, therefore, because of this, because he's innocent, I'll just beat him some and then I'll release him. This is in 23, but they kept up the pressure demanding with loud voices that he be crucified and their voices won out. Now, Pilate's job is to collect taxes, to oversee construction, and to keep peace. And here on the steps, he's about to have a rebellion if he doesn't release the rebel and kill the Son of God. So as they keep shouting and the city gets in an uproar and everything's going crazy, he's looking at the situation, he's looking at what's going down, and at this point in time he's seeing it doesn't really matter if he's innocent or not. I've got to do what these guys want me to do or I'm going to have what I'm trying to avoid. So it says their voices won out. So Pilate decided to grant their demand, and he released the one they were asking for, who'd been thrown into prison for rebellion and murder, just in case we didn't get it the first time, but handed Jesus over to their will. 
that's the end of that Pilate story. Jesus, the Son of God, is going towards the cross at this moment. He, he knew that beforehand. But everybody else is living it real time. And the reason he's going is because they didn't want that kind of Messiah. They wanted the other one. Now I just want to throw out, Barabbas is already at this point in time a failed Messiah. Right? He's in jail. He's already tried to do the rebellion thing, kick out the Romans, didn't work out, he's in jail. But they would rather try the same thing over and over and over again to get what they hope they want. Instead of accepting that maybe what God wants is different than what they want. Maybe God's plan is a different plan. And I think like we could probably give them a hard time about that, but like I think we much are the same way. Because for some of us, what we think, you know, like pre-Jesus, post-Jesus is God come to save us from financial issues or our horrible boss or sickness or struggle or pain or any of those things. And what we do because of that is, is we chase those things, right? Like, I'm not saying having some money in itself is bad. I'm just saying that if money is your priority, if you think money is the thing that's going to bring you joy and, and happiness and fulfillment, if, if that's the goal, isn't that the thing you're trusting in to save you? Or if people, or if substances, or if... Like, right, we could just, we could, we could go down the list today. Like, how, how many of us think that, like, relationships are the thing that's going to make us happy? So we, like, pour all of our time into friends or family or this person. And how many of us have been let down by that over and over and over and over and over again? But what we do is we just find a new person or a new family or, or whatever, and we throw all the time into that, and then they're going to let us down, and we're going to throw all the time into that, and they're going to let us down, and we're going to repeat the process over and over and over again because what we're looking for is a person to bring us fulfillment, but people can't bring us fulfillment. Only Jesus can bring us fulfillment and give us a purpose. So you can't really, like, make fun of them for it. See, here's, here's the truth. Um, maybe unpopular truth today. Um, Jesus didn't come to die to make every single day here awesome. It's true. Every day here, in fact, may be horrible. I, I used to hear when I was... Growing up in church, I did that. I know some of you can pray for me later. Um, I used to hear growing up in church, just, just come pray this prayer, just come to Jesus, and everything will be great forever. And like I've been around long enough that that's not true. It's just not. 
I have bad days and I have bad experiences and I make bad decisions and, and, and I'm sometimes swamped and overwhelmed with thoughts and, and, and just people. And, you know, like I live in, in the real world just like the rest of us in this building live in the real world. And what it did to me at some point in time in my life was I thought, well, I must not be very good at following Jesus or maybe I'm not even saved because my life is not going well. If, this, if God will let this happen to me, maybe I don't know God. I'm speaking from a place of honesty today because I know maybe some of us are there. And what it does, it gets us really confused because what we thought, some of us, is when we said that prayer, we were going to get up and then God was going to protect us from like every bad thing that was ever going to happen. And then we were going to, like in, in, in happiness and health, we were going to just float up out of this place in the rapture. And the unpopular truth today is that's not true. That's actually a a mishandling of everything that Jesus ever said and even experienced. He he said to the disciples, I send you out as sheep among wolves. (laughs) You're going to get eaten. It's going to be hard. Did you know that 11 of the 12 guys, the ones that actually made it you know, past the crucifixion and, and continued to follow Jesus, those 11 guys, they, they, they all in, in some way or completely lost their life to follow Jesus. Like died. You know, you know, actually even everywhere else in the world today, that's pretty much a possibility for following Jesus. See, we live in the American dream church, and we've made Jesus like the guy in the suit with the red tie. And we've, we've, we've tried to you know, clean cut Jesus and take all those things away because we want our own version of Jesus. We want the Jesus that we're comfortable with, the Jesus we like. And the Jesus we like and we're comfortable with is he doesn't really care what we do as long as we say a prayer. And he's going to just take care of everything from here on out. Every prayer I pray, and I'm not going to pray many maybe, but every prayer I pray, he's going to be Johnny on the spot. He's going to microwave that thing, and he's going to come through. And then when he doesn't, what we do is we're mad at God because he didn't do what we thought we got in the transaction with God. Because in in the moment that we prayed, what we thought we were getting is, I don't have to go to hell, and everything's going to be okay. And I just want to say to us today, that was never part of the equation. The I don't have to go to hell, that's a side effect, but that's never the motivation for coming to the cross. Jesus came and he he was examined for years and then he stood there and he said, I'm going to die. Now you choose. Do you want me or not? This is what it looks like. As I bleed here and hang here, this is what this world will do to you if you want to come. This world will pierce you, and they will beat you beyond the point of recognition. They will chew you up, and they will spit you out. If you want to come, get the cross, and come on. Oh, if you come, it's not going to be fun every day. If you come, newsflash people that live in America and are so blessed, they may kill you. It happens today. We're like, oh, Jesus won't come back till it all gets rough here. We're the only people it's not rough for.
And Jesus is saying to us, it's going to be bloody and it's going to be messy and it's going to be hard. The, the road that I'm asking you to get on is narrow and bumpy and it's got a really small gate. And, and there's a lot of people who are going to pass by it because it's way too hard. But, but this is the road that gets to life. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it is what he's saying. Anybody want that? Take up your cross and follow me. This is the Messiah that you're getting. If, if you want this, uh, you're getting me. And it's going to be amazing. But it's going to be hard. You're going to deal with sickness and death just like everybody else. And guess what? You're going to die. And some of you that may be excruciatingly painful for. And it doesn't make God bad. You're going to struggle with money and stuff. You're, you're going to struggle with people not liking you. There are going to be people that talk bad about you. Heaven forbid. There are people locked up in jail in China, and you're mad because Susie said something about you at the office. That is not persecution. We are blessed. We're too blessed. And God is saying, do you want me? Do you want the cross? Do you, do you want to give your life? Do you want to come after this? I'm letting you know the end's going to be worth it, but the next 40, 60, 80 years are going to be hard. Do you want this? Or do you want Barabbas? Do you want to pick up a cross? Or do you want Barabbas? That's still the choice today, isn't it? Do I want Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and all the difficulty that may or may not come with that? Do I want to struggle as I try to follow a perfect and holy God? Do I, do I want to struggle with myself and do I want to struggle with the people around me? Do I want to be like that, that, that sheep that it talks about in Romans 8? What's it say? Uh, because of you, we're already sheep led to the slaughter. Do I want that Jesus or do I want little made up Jesus Barabbas? Do I want Jesus that puts the money in the pocket? Do I want Jesus that makes everything great and whole and healthy? Which, by the way, is just a Jesus that I made up and he's not going to get me anywhere. Or do I want that bleeding, nail-pierced, crown of thorns wearing beautiful Son of God? That's going to, through his death, give me life. That's going to move me out of this place of death that I'm in and move me into a place of resurrection. See, here's the secret to living. you got to realize we are already dead. See, when we live from that place of already dead, our wants, they're just not that important because we're not going to be here long anyway. 
We're just passing through. We're just, we're just strangers in this land, and we're looking for a better place. We're not in the better place, and we're not trying to make a better place. This is a tent. It's a temporary dwelling, and I'm just waiting until I get moved out of this place, called up till my number's drawn, and I get elevated into a house made by the hands of God. A permanent dwelling place that, that isn't perishable and corruptible, but, it, but is immortal and perfect and holy and good. Yeah, I could have all the money in the world, but it doesn't help me when I leave this place. Never saw an allegiant fly to heaven. I can have all the stuff that this world can offer, but what, what does the Bible say? What's it, what's it worth? What, what's the real cost? Well, what's it look like if it, a man gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? Man, the cross, it's bloody. And it's a mess, but it's a beautiful and it's the only Savior we need. Thank God He came to not be the Savior we wanted. But He came to be the Savior we needed. And this morning, for some of us, maybe, maybe we know Jesus. And we've just got that confused. And that's possible. But can we just dive into another possibility today that maybe when some of us said that prayer, we, we didn't come to know Jesus. We made our own Jesus. Father, if you'll do this, I'll do this. He already did everything he needed to do. And he said, it is finished. And today, for some of us, maybe what we need to do is we need to place our faith and our trust and our hope in the hands of the one true Jesus, Son of God. And not some imposter Jesus that we made. And if that's you today, I just want to invite you just to come. Oh, people might look at me. Who cares? Cross is hard. You want it? Come get it. People might say things about me. Man, that'd be awful, wouldn't it? I'd rather not go to heaven because people might talk bad about me. Ah, oh, but people think that I've known Jesus for 22 years now and I'm a leader in the church. Who cares? Man, heaven's better. If it changes how they think about you, maybe they need to come pray with you. Man, even Judas thought he was following Jesus till he wasn't. 